welcome to Blood and Popcorn. Well, Halloween has come and gone, and we're all feeling a little bummed out as that October adrenaline seeps from our bodies and we're thrust into the next set of holidays. That buildup is something else, though, isn't it? I mean, once the calendar reads September 1st, and we can feel the spooky season right around the corner. We cruise by the normal spirit Halloween locations, which for us is a former Toys R Us, which seems rather appropriate. You know, we're looking for the first signs of activity. Like, oh, is that a delivery truck? Oh my gosh, is there someone inside? <laughs> so, and then you go to bed on September 30th with goblins and bats dancing in your head. And you wake up the next morning and have your first official Octobergasm. And for the next 30 days, you're just full of the spooky season mode, taking it all in, uh, and your house is just dripping with the essence of Halloween. But then in that lead up to the final week, that first wave of sadness begins to hit because you just feel it's going a little too fast. And you're thinking, I'm not sure I've Halloweened enough. And then you double down on your efforts, but it's never enough, right? I mean, try as you might, you just never feel like you milked every last drop of marrow from the Halloween season. I definitely felt that more this year than last year. As last year, I was working from home amid the pandemic, and I knew that at the time I should definitely soak up as much of the season as I could, as something like this was likely to never happen again. So while working from home, I had Universal Horror Classics on all day long, along with Hammer Films. Elvira episodes, you know, the Shout Factory um, editions of her original show, Night Gallery episodes. I mean, I had the Halloween season dialed up to 10, 24-7 last year. This year, unfortunately, we were called back into the office full-time two weeks before October. Just absolute terrible, terrible timing. I mean, I think it's premature, to be honest. You know, we're entering into what I consider to be a high-risk season with the family gathering holidays, you know, coming up on us, which increases the risk. Kids back in school buildings, but whatever, not my call. And it wasn't just work that played hell with my October season this year. As we return to normal, that also means my daughter's soccer games. I mean, she has three a week. Appointments, the work commute, which puts you behind on getting dinner ready. I mean, you always feel like you're behind schedule. You know, I mean, just all the schmutz that comes with returning to normal. I mean, oh, uh, on, a, on a related side note, um, I've been off processed food for almost an entire year now. And when I say off, I mean about 95% of my diet is whole food or minimally processed food at the most. But my wife and I went on an anniversary weekend getaway. And while the old electric car was charging up, we went to a nearby Starbucks and I... I caved in and I ordered a pumpkin spice latte and a pumpkin scone. That latte was literally among the worst things I've ever had in my life. I mean, I used to crush these things back in the day, okay? But being 40 pounds down and having been off those kinds of foods for 11 months now, my body has clearly transitioned because that thing made me so sick, I had to toss it. I couldn't finish it. I don't even think I got halfway done with it. Before, I just realized this was not going to go well. The pumpkin scone was solid. That was on point. That was absolutely aces. But that pumpkin spice latte, nope, done. So that's probably going to go for the egg log, egg, eggnog latte as well, which is fine by me. There's way too many empty calories in those things. I and, mean, you know, the town we went to was great also. Small town, 
just absolutely decked out for Halloween. Every store had decorations in the window, like old school painted windows. Uh, and, you know, inside as well, you know, cobwebs and witches and black cats and pumpkins. Just, just everybody was ready for the season. They even have an annual witches walk uh, which was happening the weekend after we 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 had already been there so that's uh, so unfortunate we missed that but it was it was really nice and definitely october in the air you know surrounded by the transition of leaves and the trees just beautiful absolutely wonderful weekend uh, and this October really did anything. It actually made me appreciate the experience of last year all the more, which even, you know, even then I felt I could Halloween even harder because we always do. But that staying home the entire month of October last year, I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to get any better than that, to be perfectly honest. But this year, you know, I did have fun decorating with the kids. You know, we decorated the yard. Um, we watched movies and whenever we could. Uh, we hit Spirit of Halloween, you know, perhaps a dozen times, picking up cool stuff. I mean, my kids are now 29, 19, and a soon-to-be 16-year-old. So my time with the 19-year-old and the 15-year-old is drawing to a close. In the blink of an eye, they'll be out the door leading their own lives. So my hope is they'll look back on these years where we reveled in the Halloween season and they'll carry that with them because it's fun. It's special. You know, it's really playful. I mean, what other genre has its own holiday? Right? I mean, don't give me that Christmas nonsense because Christmas movies are only watched during the Christmas season. Horror films are watched all year round. October is basically the horror genre's birthday. Right? That's always my response to Twitter Reply Guy when they start with the I watch horror films all year long, not just October. Um, dude, you're alive every day, but you still celebrate your birthday, right? So October is the horror genre's birthday, and we celebrate it all month long, leading into the 31st. So by those metrics, the horror genre is the only genre that has its own holiday month, and that's awesome. And while we're sad it's over, it does give way to my favorite, one of my favorite subgenres of horror, which is the holiday horror film. I do love me some holiday horror. You know, we were all introduced to the 1987 Thanksgiving horror film Blood Rage by Arrow Video and then Joe Bob Briggs when he ran it for the last drive-in Thanksgiving special a couple years ago. You know, for those who haven't seen it, this movie starts out batshit crazy and never lets up. It opens with, I believe they're nine, twin nine-year-old boys at a drive-in with their mother and her boyfriend. And the guy's pretty much demanding they make out, but the boys are still awake. And then once he thinks they're asleep, I mean, he just dives in, starts going at it with her. And while they're preoccupied, the boys slip out of the car, one of them grabbing an axe to take with him, and they start cruising around the drive-in. And then they come across another young couple making out, making the beast with two backs in the back of the car. And then, bam, one of the boys kills him with the axe and then blames it on his twin brother. You know, he, of course, claims innocence. But with his own brother claiming to have witnessed him doing it, boom, off he goes to the loony bin. So some real Oedipus, you know, stuff going on in this movie. And then two years later on Thanksgiving, the accused brother escapes and he's heading home with an axe to grind. Not unlike Michael Myers. It's very low budget, but it gets major points for effort and some nifty gore effects, which I will describe as fun and endearing. So I will definitely be spinning that this month. Also on my list is going to be Francis Ford Coppola's rendition of Dracula, which opened on November 13th in 1992. Now, it's not a great film. 
okay? Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder are particularly terrible in this movie, but I absolutely love the sets and atmosphere. James V. Hart's script sticks much closer to the book, which is great, and that's why they titled it Bram Stoker's Dracula. Gary Oldman is on point. His performance is almost Shakespearean in some levels. Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, though, sometimes it's hard to tell if he's going for camp or seriousness. I think he's cast well. He's perfectly cast for the role. But I think I would have preferred a more understated performance from him, something a little more thoughtful and introspective, because I always picture Van Helsing to just be this guy who's inside his head, just always running scenarios and pulling on the library of knowledge that he has. So something a little more thoughtful and introspective, I think, would have been better. And Coppola actually stretches here in regards to visual style. Um, he did things here I had not seen from Coppola since, uh, I guess, Apocalypse Now. So there's a lot to like, even if the film is flawed in some areas. But of course, Christmas is where the real treasure trove of holiday horror lies. And I'll be digging into that quite a bit as we get into December. But for some reason, I also feel like November is a really good time to dive into the literary side of horror. You know, less movies, more books. And I'm not sure why, but maybe it's because here in the Pacific Northwest, that's when our weather really turns. The temps drop about another five or six degrees or so. Uh, the rain and winds really dig in, and it makes coming home and getting into your pajamas as soon as possible and curling up with a good book all the more desirable. And what I'm focusing on right now are horror novels released in the 80s by authors not named Stephen King. Now, that's nothing against King. Let me repeat. That is nothing against Stephen King, but he did pretty much suck up all the oxygen in the room in the 80s and 90s. And one has to wonder how many horror authors released novels in those decades, but went unnoticed because King owned the spotlight. I mean, he owned the genre. So I want to discover different voices in the genre from that time period. I also tend to read a lot of uh, genre-related nonfiction this time of year. I read a lot, um, uh, let's see, I read a lot of uh, nonfiction about Dario Argento a couple years back around this time when I was really drilling down on Giallo films and Italian horror. This year I have a couple books on the history of Universal Classics lined up, and I've also got a book on Mario Bava in the queue. I believe it's called The Haunted World of Mario Bava by uh, Roberto Curti. Again, this is the time of year I beef up on reading, even uh, all the watching I tend to do. Also, this is the time of year for screenwriters like myself to really hunker down and get through projects as the industry pretty much shuts down the week prior to Thanksgiving. Then everyone pretends to come back to work for about a week in December, but not really. Uh, then they all take off again for the holidays and then come back just in time for Sundance. And then, of course, Sundance is such a draining experience. You need to take another week off just to recover. So this town realistically shuts down from mid-November through like the third week of January-ish, right? So writers are well advised to grind away in November and December, refine your work in January, and have your stuff ready to go for your reps to send out in February. So I no longer look at the start of November as the end of something, but rather look at it as the next phase of my exploration of the genre and my career within it. Again, it's the birthday scenario. When your birthday hits, if you're an intelligent adult, you celebrate, but you look at your past years, at what you've accomplished, what you still want to accomplish. You know, you take inventory and then make plans for moving forward. So let's not look at the beginning of November as the end of something. Rather, look at it as the beginning of another year of loving the genre 
and the optimistic anticipation of what gems you have yet to discover, but surely will.